Do you think it matters to God what we do with our physical bodies? Does it matter to Him what we eat or whether we exercise, what we do with our bodies sexually? Well, let's talk about that on Wisdom 8 to 8, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you? Who are so wise? As early as the first century, Christians wondered if God cared about what foods we eat and uh, who we slept with or how we took care of these physical bodies given uh, to us as a gift from God. At the time, there was a, a worldview that was sort of creeping into the church uh, that, uh, that thought of the human body as insignificant when compared to the human soul. Historians of theology call this, the, uh, this ideology incipient Gnosticism. It wasn't the fully formed Gnosticism of the second or third centuries. Uh, it was in its infancy, in the middle of the latter half of the first century. Well, behind that movement, and that was slipping into the church, was a theology that all of creation, including the human body, was evil or unreal. And the material body uh, had kept in it a spark of the divine soul, uh, and that was considered a good thing, but uh, the body kept that spark in exile, and the goal of life was to be liberated from the body by death uh, when the soul could be freed uh, to join with the eternal. Now, this theology led to a careless use, or rather really a misuse of the body among Christians. In other words, those who held to this teaching believed that what anybody did with their bodies just didn't matter. So just use it any way you want. Well, there is a touch of that same philosophy in our culture today. You've heard it. It's my body and no one can tell me what to do with it. And that's a refrain that uh, we've often heard. A few years ago, I began a study under the heading A Theology of the Body. I was curious about, after reading a few articles on the topic, uh, what that was all about, biblically. And there is, a, is a, a word that is desperately needed today in Christian families. It's a subject that should be talked about in Christian homes, when in the living room or in the family room, and yes, even around the dinner table. What we do with our bodies is as important a category of biblical thinking as anything else in the Bible for parents, children, teens, and even grandparents. So let's look at a helpful passage to begin discussions on this topic from 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 13 to 20. Here's what Paul wrote. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it's written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And here's where thinking Christians will want to understand the call that we have to care for our physical bodies. Paul writes, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Well, you see, there it is. 
We are called to glorify God with our bodies. Now, the Greek culture in Corinth in Paul's day was so much like our own. Paul wanted the Christians there to start a sort of resistance movement unless uh, they would absorb the degrading ideology that their human bodies don't matter in the service of glorifying God. The Greek culture taught that the human body was insignificant. It was just a body and it would perish with the rest of the world. And since the body was meaningless, anybody could do anything that he or she wanted with it because it was his or her own body. So my plea to parents, and especially to teens, is to please hear this. You need to discuss, primarily as a family, before any other institution, God's purpose for the human body. We already know what the schools teach, and it has nothing to do with reference to what God calls good. We're bombarded every single day with the teaching that sex is nothing more than a recreational uh, pastime, and that our bodies were made for all kinds of pleasures. Now, in this atmosphere, Christian families can't be doctrinally indifferent and assume that our children are going to get it as if by osmosis. Parents, we must assume a stance of strenuous resistance to the teachings that minimize the importance of our bodies by showing that these ideas don't bring freedom, but rather they bring disgrace and dishonor to God's good intention for the human body. Freedom is actually found in glorifying God in our entire lives, including with our bodies. So there's five things from this passage of 1 Corinthians that teach us a noble vision, a biblical vision of God's purposes for the human body. First, our bodies are not sinful per se. Now God places value on the world of things and our bodies are included in that world. And in spite of the fall, God has not changed his mind that physical bodies, the physical bodies of men and women are very good. In spite of the fall, all men and women are still created in the image of God. And the evidence that we have for this is that God's own son took on human form as a male, affirming the goodness of the human body. Now second, contrary to what many sitcoms and television dramas teach us, our bodies were not created for sex or food or clothes or recreation or pleasures, but for the Lord. In other words, while the sexual union of a husband and wife is a good gift from God, food is a good gift from God, and clothing is definitely a good gift from God, there is a greater purpose revealed for us. And that leads us to the third point. Since believers who trust in Christ are united to Christ in salvation, therefore we belong to the Lord. He owns us by right of his death as our purchase from sin and judgment. And that means that we are now owned by him by virtue of creation and redemption. Fourth, at conversion, our bodies are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are not fully redeemed at this point in redemptive history. They will be, but for now, we are being sanctified by the inner workings of the Holy Spirit conforming us and transforming us into the character of Christ. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to make us to desire to live holy lives that do glorify God. And last, our bodies um, are included in the command to glorify and worship God. It's not just in our spirit or in our minds or in our soul's affections, 
but also with our bodies. Think of what Paul says, for example, about men at worship. Lift up holy hands without anger or quarreling. Now, I take that to mean that if we avoid uh, the wrong kinds of angers and quarrels, uh, the wrong kinds of anger and quarrels with one another when we come to worship, then we might have clean hands and a submissive heart. And what we do with our bodies will either draw attention to God's glory and His goodness or away from it. And this is why Paul says that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is an act of worship. Now our bodies are an amazing creation. We are not just machines. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We were created to do many things, but one thing is ultimate, to glorify God and to worship Him in and with our bodies. So, parents, have that uh, theology of the body talk with your children at an early age and as age appropriate as their age allows. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining me, and thanks for uh, uh, Steve Dyan behind the camera as we stamp out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You be of good cheer.